Welcome to Back Porch Bible Studies, where friends come and talk about what the Bible says about our God. My name is Deborah Geisels, and I'll be your host on this weekly podcast. You know, it's been said that the heart can't love what the mind doesn't know. So here, we'll study to know our God, and to know Him is to love Him. So, grab a drink and settle in for an afternoon of catching up and talking about our great God. Welcome, friend, to my back porch. Welcome back, friends. Glad you could join us in this continuing study in Ephesians. You know, at the beginning of the letter of Ephesians, Paul joyfully proclaims the blessings and abundant life found in Jesus Christ. He celebrated the unity we have with other believers and with God himself and our place firmly set in the family of God. But as we come to the end of Paul's letter, I sense a heaviness of heart. Paul seems to warn his beloved children in Christ as a father might come to warn his son or daughter as they go off to college or out into the world for the first time. Let me paraphrase verses 10 through 13 in chapter 6 for you. Paul might have explained it this way. As I have already shared with you your great and high calling, along with the teachings and precepts of the gospel, it becomes crucial for me to warn you of the challenges you will encounter and the immense strength you will need to overcome them. You are called by God to be strong and in the strength of the Lord, This strength isn't merely physical, but deeply spiritual, a strength that emanates from the very essence of the Lord himself. It is the kind of strength that develops within you through the trials you will face. You must face them with the presence of God living within you, his mighty power working through you. Remember, dear one, to draw upon this divine strength in your journey. It is this spiritual fortitude that will guide you through the attacks of the enemy and and empower you to overcome any opposition that comes your way. Embrace the strength of God within you. As believers in Jesus Christ, you will engage in spiritual warfare with unseen wicked forces. To overcome your enemy in the power of the Holy Spirit, you must remain resolute in your confidence in God. Did you hear the warning? Paul comes to the end of the letter and he wants his children, his, his, the, these people in Ephesus to know that there's an enemy out there. And he wants them to understand that it is the power of the Holy Spirit living in them that is going to give them the strength to fight this enemy. And they're not to do it alone. There, there's a story from the Korean War that illustrates this attitude As enemy forces advanced, Baker Company was cut off from the rest of their unit. For several hours, no word was heard. Even though headquarters repeatedly tried to communicate with the missing troops, finally, a faint signal was received. Straining to hear, the corpsman asked, Baker Company, do you read me? This is Baker Company, came the reply. What's your situation? asked the corpsman. The enemy is to the east of us. The enemy is to the west of us. The enemy is to the north of us, and the enemy is to the south of us. Then, after a brief pause, 
the sergeant from Baker Company said with determination, The enemy is not going to get away from us now. Although surrounded and outnumbered, he was thinking of victory, not defeat. I wonder, could Paul have experienced a similar sense of being surrounded and outnumbered while writing this letter to the Ephesians from prison? Although Paul might have been in the presence of Roman soldiers as he wrote, his language is more influenced by the majestic Old Testament imagery of warfare, particularly from Isaiah. The Old Testament refers to God as a warrior and his people as troops who are in need of his strength. Here's a couple verses that, that resonate with me. Psalms 35, 1 through 3 says, Contend, O Lord, with those who contend with me. Fight against those who fight against me. Take hold of shield and buckler and rise for my help. Draw the spear and the javelin against my pursuers. Say to my soul, I am your salvation. Can't you just hear the, the psalmist declaring God's protection over him? Then in Isaiah 42, 13, it says, The Lord goes out like a mighty man, a man of war. He stirs up his zeal. He cries out. He shouts aloud. He shows himself mighty against his foes. I picture this huge man going out to war with confidence and taking on his enemies. Then we move into Isaiah 59, 17. And this sounds so much like what Paul's writing about that I, I have to wonder if Paul isn't just thinking about Isaiah 59 when he writes Ephesians 6. It says, He put on righteousness as a breastplate and a helmet of salvation on his head. He put on garments of revenge for clothing and wrapped himself in zeal as a cloak. Doesn't that sound like Ephesians 6? Paul begins his warning by setting their focus on the source their strength, our warrior God. Listen to what Ephesians 6.10 says, Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Put on the full armor of God so that you may be able to stand firm against the schemes of the devil. All right, before we get too far into these passages about the armor of God, let's see what we might learn about this command to be strong in the strength of his might in order that we might stand. It's interesting to me that the command to be strong in the Lord in the strength of his might is a command to be strong in someone else's strength. Are we to borrow their muscles? Well, kind of. Being strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might means gaining power and endurance from God. It involves drawing strength from the Lord, having having the actual capacity to endure challenges and accessing God's extraordinary and overwhelming power to stand firm in difficult times. This is key to putting on the full armor of God that we're about to look at. So how then do we be strong in his might? By putting on the full armor of God, it allows us to stand in his strength, not ours. It means we get our strength from our Lord. Just, just as a car gets energy from fuel, 
When a car is low on fuel, you go to a gas station and fill it up. This act strengthens the car's engine to provide power from an external source. Just like being strong in the Lord means getting strength from a power source outside of ourselves. We are the car in desperate need of fuel. When we are clothed in the full armor of God, we are fueled by his strength for a purpose, to stand, stand firm in the attacks of the devil. I think there are three key points we can learn from this verse to stand firm. First of all, we need strength in the Lord. Paul emphasizes the importance of finding strength in the Lord rather than in our own abilities. It's not about personal competence, but about fully relying on the Lord's strength. Paul directs believers to tap into the mighty power of God. This suggests that our ability to withstand trials comes from the divine power available to us through our relationship with God. We're not going to be able to do this on our own. We need that relationship with God that empowers us. The second point that these verses teach us about standing firm is this spiritual fortification. The command indicates the need for a spiritual kind of strength. It heightens the importance of fortifying oneself spiritually to face the challenges and trials that may come. Remember he said we do not war against flesh and blood. As believers, we possess the strength through the very presence of God within. And then the third key point that this verse points out is that we are to stand firm in spiritual warfare. By urging believers to stand strong in the Lord and in his mighty power, Paul implies that spiritual battles and trials are inevitable. Therefore, it's crucial to stand firm, relying on God's strength and not succumbing to the challenges that come our way. These key points underscore the need for believers to draw their strength from God, acknowledging his power as the ultimate source of reliance and fortitude in facing trials and spiritual warfare. To fight not in the flesh and blood, but in the principalities. Not in the seen, but the unseen. And since we can't see it, we need God to tell us how to move forward. You see, it's one thing to read those verses and the command to be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Boy, that just wants to roll off your tongue and mighty, glorious, scriptural memorization, plaques on the wall type of thing. But how do I get there from where I am? Paul knew about being strong in the Lord. An examination of Paul's life reveals how he grew strong in the Lord. First of all, he practiced. He practiced reliance on God through the challenges. Paul faced numerous trials, hardships, and persecutions in his missionary journeys. Paul describes them in his own words in 2 Corinthians 11. He says, I have worked much harder been in prison more frequently, been flogged more severely, and been exposed to death again and again. Five times I received from the Jews the 40 lashes minus one. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was pelted with stones. Three times I was shipwrecked. I spent a night and a day in the open sea. I have been constantly on the move. I have been in danger from rivers, 
in danger from bandits, in danger from my fellow Jews, in danger from Gentiles, in danger in the city, in danger in the country, in danger at sea, and at danger from false believers. In these difficult times, he relied on God's strength to endure and overcome adversities. He practiced relying on the strength of God. The second thing he did is he deliberately prayed. He deliberately prayed to God. Paul is known for his fervent prayer. He often prayed for strength and wisdom and guidance for himself and the communities he ministered to. Prayer is authentic conversation with God, and Paul grew in strength by talking through everything he faced with God. One of the most common prayers of Paul was thanksgiving. He sincerely submitted his heart to God, regardless of any crisis, any trial, or any persecution. He was in it for God. The next thing that we learn is embracing his weakness for God's power. Paul grew in the strength of the Lord's might by acknowledging his own weaknesses and knowing that God's power was made perfect in his weakness. Boy, we like our strengths and we like to boast of our strengths and hide our weaknesses, but by accepting his own limitations, he found strength in God's grace. He wasn't going to pretend that he was able to do it in his own strength. I don't know about you, but sometimes I get this wild idea that I can do all things. I'll just ask God to step in and give me a little boost. But that's not the real heart of this command. And Paul knew it. In humility, Paul acknowledged that there was no strength in him. The only real power he and the rest of us have is in the power of God living and working through us. I can do all things through him who is my strength. Another thing we see from Paul's example in growing in in this strength is that he was obedient to God regardless of any understanding. Paul did what God called him to do. Sometimes he understood, sometimes he didn't. We hear him talk about, I wanted to come to you, but the Lord took me somewhere else. Paul lived a life dedicated to following God's will and spreading the gospel. His obedience and commitment to God's purpose strengthened his faith and reliance on the Lord's power. The last thing I want to mention that I learned from Paul was that he was disciplined. He kept his nose in the book. Paul loved the scriptures. He was deeply rooted in scriptures, and he encouraged others to do the same thing. He relied on the teachings of the Old Testament and the gospel to strengthen his faith and empower his ministry. Paul knew the word of God, and it was a constant companion to him. You know, looking at Paul's life, it's pretty clear. He tapped into this incredible strength that came straight from God. He didn't just sit around waiting for the things to get easier. No, no, he pushed through everything every tough time, every hardship that came his way. And guess what? Like each one of us, Paul learned something huge from all of that. Our own strength falls flat when it comes to these battles. Seriously, it's like trying to fight a dragon armed with a twig. 
my friends, if we if we try to fight these spiritual battles in our own strength, there'll be nothing left. But here's the big takeaway. Through all those struggles, Paul discovered something truly epic. The one and only strength that can truly carry us through. Yep, you guessed it. God's strength. That's the game changer right there. Paul's life was this ongoing testament to leaning hard into God's strength. He didn't just talk the talk, he walked it. Showing us how to live in obedience, praying like there's no tomorrow, face challenges head on with unwavering faith and encourage others to find their backbone in God. Once you and I understand the truth about where our strength comes from, (laughs) that's when Paul's going to tell us how we're going to need to use it. In Ephesians 6, 12, he says, For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers and against the powers, against the world forces of this darkness, against the spiritual forces of wickedness in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the full armor of God so that you will be able to resist in the evil day and having done everything to stand firm. I read an article from a pastor in Alexandria, Virginia. He gives this beautiful illustration. He says this, It was the boy's first day of junior high. All was going well until three older kids took his lunch, ruffled his hair, and stuffed him in a locker. They snarled at his squeals and high-fived one another as they walked away. What the bullies didn't know, though, was that the kid in the locker was the little brother of the football team's starting middle linebacker. After lunch, the boy told his brother what had happened. His brother looked him in the eyes and said, Let's go. As the boy came to his locker, the bullies were waiting for him, grinning. But he hadn't come alone this time. He came in the strength of his older brother. That was the last day they messed with him. As Christians, we have a dangerous adversary. We face something far scarier than getting stuffed into a locker. Our enemy wants to devour our faith, cause us to question our ability to stand and and our purpose to fight. He will lie, cheat, and steal just to cause us to stumble. So, when the Apostle Paul instructs the Ephesians church about spiritual warfare, he begins by exhorting them, by, by encouraging them not to go into the battle in their own strength. He reminds them of their elder brother. He says, finally... Be strong in the Lord in the strength of his might. Guys, Jesus is on a mission to rescue captive souls from a very strong enemy. Through his crucifixion and resurrection, Jesus delivered a mortal wound to our formidable foe. Jesus commissions his church, us, to join him in taking the gospel to the ends of the earth. This means that when we follow Jesus, People were following him into a war zone. Because even though Satan has been definitively defeated and has no future, for now, he's still causing trouble. He's plotting to outwit us, prowling around like a roaring lion, seeking someone to destroy, to devour, lying and deceiving, trapping, slowing us down, and tempting us with all sorts of bad stuff. We're in a battle against his dark forces. 
That's why Paul is so emphatic about us putting on the full armor of God. And the best part? (laughs) We're not fighting alone. We're fighting with the strength of the Lord behind us. You know, I hear people talking about spiritual warfare. And and for some, it seems that they perceive spiritual warfare as a personal believer's test of faith, where they have to suit up and fight against the demons. But that's so far from the truth. Spiritual warfare is God's fight. It's about God's people teaming up with their Lord in His fight. He equips us and gives us the power to join Him in enemy territory and help His kingdom to grow. The battle described by Paul isn't a metaphor. It's it's a blueprint for spiritual strength. It's elements, truth, righteousness, readiness, faith, salvation, and the Word of God are vital. And when all else is said, we fall to our knees. So here's, here's the challenge, my friend. Take a leaf out of Paul's book. When life gets tough, and let's be real, it will, don't rely on your own abilities. Because honestly, that's like trying to surf a tsunami in a tiny boat. Instead, stand firm in the strength that comes straight from God. It's not about flexing our muscles. It's about walking with our Lord. Trusting God is a good God and that He will take us through to victory. So let's embrace that strength. Tap into it. Lean hard into the Lord of our battle and face whatever comes our way head on. That's the game changer right there. Come back next time as we dive further into the profound concept of the full armor of God allowing its truth to fortify our faith towards victory, identifying our enemy and how we are to fight. Thank you for joining us today on Back Porch Bible Studies. We are a ministry of women in Christian leadership. We are here to encourage, educate, and elevate women to live for Jesus Christ in God's glory. We do this by building a culture of sisterhood to equip women to know God's truth through His Word and to live authentically through the love of Christ. Please visit our website at womeninchristianleadership.com to learn more about upcoming events. Back Porch Bible Studies would like to thank our sponsor, the faith-based business of Millennium Metals, in business to serve Christ.